0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta,
1: Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Now, welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm Soyini Cope, and on today's show, we have Trax Image Recognition, one of the fastest-growing companies in the city of Atlanta. I'm delighted to have their CEO, Steve Horniak, and their VP of Customer Success, Terrell Tutin, on the show with me today. We're really excited. It's our first video broadcast. And if you'd like to find out more about Trax image recognition, check out their bio, find out about the company history. You can do that at www.ceoexclusiveradio.com. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you for having us.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
1: So tell us a little bit about trends in image recognition, and retail, which is your industry of specialty, that you think would be of interest to, to CEOs who are watching the show?
0: Sure, absolutely. I mean, we, we look at, there's a lot of trends happening out there, but if you look at some of the top, let's pick three, for example. One of them is kind of the revenge of the physical retailer. So everyone's heard a lot about the online retailers, what they're doing out there, and the growth of the online retailers, but physical retailer is here, is here to stay. They're changing, they're moving, and you're seeing a lot more changing in them today. Striking back at the internet guys.
1: So Amazon isn't as hot.
0: Amazon is hot. They're hot. They're going to get hotter. They're going to continue to grow. But physical retail is not going away. You now that's the main thing. It's going to change. Everything changes over time. But now they're really, they've really uh, awakened to needs and changes, and technology is going to be pushing a lot of it. So we're seeing that out there today. Second is here comes the robots, and kind of in pun, but artificial intelligence, robotics, cameras. Uh, are going to change the way retailers do business, mm-hmm. and that's going to affect employee, the type of employees that are uh, out in the physical retailers. Today. So,
1: so you said, "Here come the robots." Here
0: comes the robots.
1: All right. I would say the, the third
0: next? is the battle for the customers. So there's there's always been this kind of tension between the manufacturers, the CPG companies, consumer packaged good companies, and the actual retailers themselves. So with the with the internet, it's, it's looking at well, the CPG or the manufacturers to some extent, have been disintermediating the retailers and going directly to control the customer. The retailers want to control the customer. So they're kind of competition, right? They're cooperating together, but they're in competition with each other. So that's intensifying. So you've got a lot of these three different tensions that are happening out there today, and technology is increasing uh, very rapidly. And image recognition technology and artificial intelligence behind the scenes to give people more data, more insights, so they can be stronger, faster, smarter, is going to play a big part of that.
1: And so for our viewers, let's back up a little bit and tell us a little bit about Trax Image Recognition. I mean, you're one of the fastest growing companies in the city of Atlanta. Tell us a little bit about how you got there.
0: Sure, so uh, Trax is actually, we're based in Singapore. So we're based halfway around the world. But our core development is done out of Tel Aviv, Israel. And our founders are two two Israeli gentlemen that have got significant experience in the image industry. So in, in Tel Aviv, if people aren't familiar, in Israel, they are the leaders in image and video processing and technology. So, that's we've got over 125 developers in mm-hmm. Tel Aviv, Israel that have been working on this platform, this product. So, what we do is we're an image recognition platform. So, we do everything from managing the capturing of the images to pulling those images up in the cloud, converting those images into usable data. So, I'll give you an example you take a picture of a shelf, we convert and say, here's the 70 different types of Coke products that are on this shelf. Here's how they're arranged. Here's how they should be arranged. Here's what SKUs or items are missing from there that you need to change. Here's what your competition's doing. Here's the pricing, what you're doing in pricing versus your competition. So we capture the images. We, we convert those images into usable key performance indicators. And then we present that back in real time to the people in the store or the manufacturers so that they can take action in order to better present and sell and uplift their product revenue.
1: And so for just in kind of to summarize or, you know, kind of pull it together. So if if I am a retailer like a Coke, as you mentioned, or a CPG company, and I wanted to basically take inventory or do things like that in an automated fashion, they could use your image recognition software to do that. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. So let's go back to your trends. Revenge of the the retailers, here come the robots, and the clash with customers. Why do you think that those trends have contributed to your growth or how have they contributed to your growth? Whenever there's change
0: in a market, disruptive technology is either driving that change or capitalizing on that change. So with us, with changes such like, I mean, retail, physical retailers are getting pressure to reduce their operating overhead. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's one. And they're also getting pressure to increase their revenue. So both of those are coming into play. So what, what do you do? Revenge Rope said automation and artificial intelligence comes into play. So with tracks, with what we do actually increases their operational efficiency, whether it be the CPG efficiency of their sales force out in the field that are actually auditing what's happening, or whether it be the actual uh, grocery store, for example, that has everyone seeing the people walking around with a pen and a pencil and a pad looking to see what's out of shelf we can automate that entire process. So that'll reduce their operating costs. And by having more on-shelf availability of the proper product displayed properly, increase their revenue.
1: Automation and changing of the job force has been in the news a lot lately. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about how you expect these changes to play out. Certainly for CEOs who are watching the show, automation's great. They can make their company more efficient. They can you know, reduce headcount, which isn't necessarily um, all that popular. What are some of the implications of of the automation and how are these affecting the bottom line for the companies that you're working with?
0: I mean, jobs are changing all the time. So when people say, well, we're going to remove this job or we're going to make this job more efficient, which means we're going to be less people doing this job. It's okay because that's just going to change what people need to do. So, if you talk about trends, the, you know there's going to be a, a ton of job opportunities uh, in the whole data analysis, data mining uh, area behind the scenes, and, and increasing the intelligence level of the employees that need to do that. So, reducing the—if you look at any automation, right, in manufacturing, and people used to do things all manual, now you have got machines doing it. You're going to see a lot of those trends move into retail, where taking the manual, redundant tasks out, automated, artificial intelligence supplementing that. Right. And then increasing the level of intelligence that the employees have to do. So, if anything, it's 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 good. It's changes okay, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it will it will change the the types of employees that are being used.
2: It'll change the skill set of those individuals that are already working there. So, they'll, you know everything's technology driven, focused today it seems. So, those individuals may learn new skill sets that may provide growth opportunities for them in other areas that maybe they had not foreseen in the in the old days when right. they were doing everything manually. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, everyone today has a smartphone, it seems, or everyone has the ability to go in and capture images. And I think that's where we see the trends going, is that that you'll have more people that are more specialized in certain IT areas that will allow them to then focus and and have
1: new careers that maybe they didn't think were possible in the past. Yeah, and so is the the VP of Customer Success. Mm -hmm. Your customers are the consumer package companies that are using the software.
2: And retailers. Yeah, Yeah. and
1: and retailers that are using the software. Mm -hmm. What kinds of efficiencies are you able to to realize for them or what kind of efficiencies are you seeing them
2: get? Yeah, sure. So as Steve mentioned earlier, you know, in today's world, you have individuals that, you know, whether it's Coca-Cola or some of these other companies, they're sending auditors out to to determine where are they out of stock, where are they out of compliance with their planograms, where are they uh, in terms of share of shelf. So, you know, they're expecting a certain number of facings of their product on a shelf in a grocery store, for example. Today, all that's done manually. So with, with our solution, uh, we're, it's as simple as loading the Tracks app on a smart device, uh, whether it be a tablet, a, a phone, or what have you. And it's capturing not by skew by skew level, but we're taking an entire shelf at a, at a given time. Um, and we're able to cover a, a store at a much more efficient time than what they're doing manually. We're able to upload that information to our solution in the cloud and give instant results back in three to five minute time frame. So they can take that and look at it and then make decis- uh, decisions based on what they're getting real time versus leaving the store, going home, calculating certain things, and then coming back. And by the time you have the data, that data is out of date. Now you're already going back and you're already behind the, the, the eight ball, so to speak. So I think you know, where we see it is we're able to do and make changes instantaneously in the store for those individuals.
1: And I know CEOs are very bottom line focused. What's Absolutely. the actual impact that you're seeing on the P&L?
0: You know, there's, there's been, it's both sides, right? So so on the first part, we've seen increases of up to 50% in efficiency. So mm. if you look at it, Salesforce out there, we've seen them be able to do up to two times the number of store visits per day. Wow. So if you think about that. That's impressive. That's, it, you could actually cover the same area with half the number of people. Mm. Right. Or you could increase the amount of time that they spend with the customer selling more versus collecting data, right? So we're removing that, data collection part of it, analysis part of it, and making the salespeople smarter and being able to be smarter on how they can present and their product and work with the, uh, the retailer to do that. Right. So that's actually dropping down. So again, up to 50% or up to a doubling from that perspective. On the revenue upside, we've seen everywhere from 1% to 10% uplift in revenue for the particular consumer package item when they deploy our solution, because what you measure and reward, people focus on. Right. right. So now you've got basically these eyes, if you want to call it that, that are out in the field that say, okay, Mr. Salesperson, you are responsible for these 50 stores. Let's, let's say these 50 stores, and you're responsible to make sure that our product is properly represented out there. Our share shelf is X because they pay. Mm-hmm. People we always that these manufacturers pay for shelf space. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that you have to make sure that we have our shelf space, all the products that they're supposed to be selling are actually there. They're in stock. They're on the shelf. And they're proper, properly uh, represented, the planogram. So it's called a planogram, is how it's represented. Or I've, I'm doing a promotion and they're supposed to be putting up my cardboard box that has my special promotion items on or put my poster in a window. Is it there? Historically, you're relying on a person manually doing all that. People make mistakes and people inherently can get lazy you and know, they'll take shortcuts. They can't do that with tracks. Mm. So when you come in, it's a workflow. They open up the app, it says, Welcome. They know what story you're in. They say, Here's what you need to do first. Go check and make sure this is there. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like it walks you through a survey. Now take a picture of this. Now walk over to this area. Take a picture. So it walks them through. So it's a very prescriptive process and it's consistent. So you've got consistent, accurate, and reliable data that you can then make decisions on. So that's actually increases once they do that. We found an uplift in revenue for the people that use our system and use it consistently and operationally deploy it.
1: Wow. So it's interesting. So the software that I would think, would normally create efficiencies, which would reduce costs, as we discussed, or make right. people more efficient. You're saying they're also getting a lift on the revenue side as well. So they're getting, Absolutely. getting it on both Absolutely. sides. Absolutely. They're
0: getting on both sides. Right. So so what they look at it is because you, you, it's very hard to attribute an uplift in revenue to one product, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're doing promotions, they're doing price promotions, you've got seasonal change, you've got weather. If have all these impacts on their revenue. So to say Oh, we created this uplift in revenue just by ourselves. Uh-huh. It's a hard sell for anybody, not just Tracks, but anybody. But if you can pay for the solution of the product, which happens with us by operational efficiencies, the right. revenue uplift is just incremental.
1: It's gravy, it's gravy on
0: top.
2: Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And I think even to take it one step further within, within the grocery chain, for example, uh, you know, they, they traditionally operate on very razor thin margins. So it, they, they make up for that in volume. We're able to actually, in a, either in a fixed camera solution or even in the in the robot solution that we talked about earlier, uh, you know, we're able to capture end caps where there may be high volume, high high moving product. And if we see things that are out of stock or low stock, we can send a text message alert to a category manager or someone in the store that can then view that text message, click on a link, it takes them to the photo of that actual end cap, and they look at that and say, "Hey, I'm out of Serial X, and I need to get that back on the shelf. I can't make money if it's not on the shelf and it's not selling." So they have a benefit in that. The manufacturers have a benefit in that. And so it's giving them real-time actionable data that they're able to immediately go back and restock shelves and turn that revenue around much quicker. So it's, uh, it's not just on the, the manufacturing side,
1: but then on the retail side as well. Great. Thank you. So just to raise things up a level, for people who may not be in, in retail, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, Terrell, you probably see a lot of people moving around? Because the, the technology is, as you said, is very disruptive. So it's moving people around. As a CEO, how would somebody or somebody who's managing all these people, how do you deal with the people implications of all this change? Because let's say that you do have a solution that then reduces uh, the need for a headcount by 50% or increases efficiency by 50%. Brian. What do you do with those people who now see, well, my job is taking half, half the, the amount of time. What's going to happen to me or what's going to happen to the you know, 10 other people in my department? How sure. do you how do you see people dealing with those issues or what recommendations do you have around that?
0: I mean, it's it's it is true. I mean, any when advances in automation, technology and artificial intelligence replaces people. Um, so and that's real,
1: right? This is real. It's Absolutely real.
0: It's real. It, it, it's real. People have got to be competitive. It's a hyper-competitive landscape. It's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So we see our customers doing a number of different things. You know, number one is we have not yet seen a massive reduction in workforce. Okay. What we have seen is a, is a better, broader coverage. So a lot of the people out there today will say, okay, well, I've got my sales rep is supposed to go see these types of customers, this type of format customer, a traditional uh, once a month. And they're supposed to see the big box guys once a week to go in and make sure that they're complying to what they're supposed to be doing with their product. Rearrange it, share yourself, out of, out of stock items, plan of compliance, et cetera. Now what they can do is increase the number of visits that they've got out there. So as opposed to going to this type of store maybe maybe once a month or once mm-hmm. a quarter, I'll go to that more frequently with the same workforce. So again, that should get me an increase in revenue. Again, they're more interested in an increase in revenue than they are in the operational savings when it comes down to it. Mm -hmm. Um, We are seeing uh, that some people are looking at us and saying, well, you know what, we are spending a lot of money out in the field because our people are spending too much time. So they're gonna reduce that anyway. So reducing it with technology and allowing the people that are there to get smarter happens, but we are also in some areas seeing a reduction in the number of people that are actually out in the field collecting this data because they're doing it more efficiently. Mm-hmm. So it's just the reality of people getting uh, uh, faster, smarter, stronger, and trying to reduce their operating costs
2: because they're getting pricing pressure, market pressure, disruptive pressure. Pressure, 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 pressure,
1: Our pressure, CEOs know all about pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: yeah, and, and to, to add on to, to Steve's point, when you talk about some of the manufacturers that we work with today, some of these auditors that go out into the field, they might not be their employees. Right. It, it's outsourced right. to a third party. So if, if they're accustomed to having X number of resources going out and taking uh, doing manual calculations for them, our solution allows them to, to cover more areas with fewer people. So it's, it's a reduction in the number of resources that maybe a manufacturer needs. The provider on the other end of that can then take those resources mm-hmm. and just repurpose them somewhere else. So it may not necessarily be a job elimination in that scenario. It may be just be a, a redistribution to another opportunity somewhere else. Mm-hmm. We're just allowing uh, a cost savings or, or promoting a cost savings. For our customers that are on the manufacturing side, they can do it much more efficiently and cover the more stores in a, in a given time period. Yeah.
1: So we've talked a lot about the robot and the automation piece. I just want to pick up on the, the third trend that you mentioned, which is the clash with customers. Mm-hmm. How, how do, you, this, do the relationships work? Because if the, the manufacturer tries to disintermediate the middleman, those are in many cases long standing relationships. So how right. is that actually playing out? It's
0: um there there is a lot of tension between the blood the retailers bath, right? <laughs> between the retailers and the manufacturers. It really is. Yeah. And they'll admit it. You talk with them and they're they'll admit it. And they'll say, well the retailers will say, Well, no, this is my store, my data. I want to own it. Mm-hmm. But the manufacturers the ones right now that are sending are spending more money learning about what's happening on shelf than the actual retailers themselves. So the Retailers are stepping up their game in doing that. Mm-hmm. Now you throw another factor into it, and a lot of the retailers, particularly if you the grocery stores and the big box themselves, they come out with their own brands.
1: Mm.
0: So Walmart's got their own. Yeah, brands.
1: I've been buying Simple Truth at Kroger. A
0: Simple right. Truth yeah. Ryan yeah. Kroger. They're, they're all coming with their own. I was like, this is actually brands. pretty good. So they're competing against the manufacturers. They've disintermediated the manufacturers. The manufacturers are selling direct to the consumers with some things. I just saw an announcement the other day about Tide. Mm. And Tide's selling directly to people and trying to disintermediate the retailer. There's this constant competition between them where the retailers really don't care about the manufacturer. They care about the total revenue in a particular category, not which one gets it. The manufacturers, all they care about is I'm Coke, I wanna be Pepsi. Mm. You know, I wanna beat the other brands out there. You know, so all they're caring about is themselves and the data shifted towards them we can actually provide the data for both parties. So when we go in, we can actually put different glasses on, if you think about this way. So when we're we're taking images of a shelf and we're doing the analysis of that, I can put on my glasses and say, all right, Mr. Manufacturer, this is what's happening with your product, your SKUs, your planograms, your pricing in here. Take those glasses off, put another set of glasses on, different analytics looking at the same data and say, Mr. Retailer, this is what's happening in this overall category and how you can uplift it across the whole category, regardless of who the manufacturer is.
1: So just to, to round out this, this segment, we've got the clash with customers, the revenge of the robots, or the, sorry, the revenge of the, the retailers, retailers mm-hmm. and the robots are here. I'm wondering as we- Robots are coming. Not robots are coming. They're, they're coming. not
0: here. Well, they're kind is, of sort of here, but they're coming. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. that was actually my question. Sure. So are we looking at, a Kroger or a grocery store at some point that has far, far fewer store, the staff in the, in the store? And if so, like, would you love to just, just wax poetic on what that's gonna look like? Are we gonna have you know, a, a store or like a, a McDonald's that only has one person or two people in it at some point?
0: It, it's, it's coming, it's definitely coming. I mean, if you look at the fast food industry, uh, McDonald's is deploying it today where you walk in and there's a bank of touchscreens and the touchscreens are taking your order and all they are is fulfilling that order in the back end. It's it's definitely coming. A lot of, you know, I was in Panera the other day, same thing. They touch screens come in, just the people that are actually taking the order. In right. retail, you are going to see fewer people in the stores, and you're going to see more automation on that. So everyone carries around this lovely thing on a cell phone, right? So, it'll, it, you know, the interaction between the person, the phone, and creating an augmented reality shopping mm-hmm. experience, which image recognition technology plays a role in, is coming. You know, robots really there from a data capture standpoint. Think right. of Google Maps. You mean right
1: now? <clears throat>
0: Correct. It, yeah. No one's really deployed it yet. They're all testing it. All mm-hmm. right. Costs, costs are still too high. It's still a little weird to think about a robot walking around, you know, rolling around your store uh, during business hours. Yeah. It, there, it's coming, people looking at different options. Uh, Intel's working on a fixed, uh, uh, you know, a camera, camera us, solution. Intel said- Intel is working on, they're, they're seeing a big trend towards moving towards small form factor fixed cameras in stores mm-hmm. um, for, for retail because they see image recognition and putting these tiny form like your cell phone, very low cost cameras, being able to give people real time imaging. We're going to be the brains behind all of this. So you've got to have the artificial intelligence. You've got to have the image recognition that converts it behind the scenes. It's definitely coming. What flavor comes, it's going to be all over the place. How long it's going to be, it's not overnight. You're looking at a multi-year process just like if you think about from a grocery store when they went to self-service.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Okay, so self-service. Which I
1: love, by okay. the way. Uh-huh. So I don't always want to tell people. People brought people. up
0: right in the beginning. Yes, self-service. Oh my gosh, I'm actually going to check myself out. Yep. They're like, really? Well I you know a lot of people love that. Or a certain vibe. Right. Exactly. Me? I don't want to say how so,
1: how are you doing at the end of the day? I just, that's right. Right. Get that was, my just stuff. want to go home, right? that I was just think stuff. Stuff.
0: <laughs> people played with it for a while and all of a sudden it started being deployed and now it's expected. It's assumed and expected. That's right. Right. And and so it's we're going to be very similar to that in the trend. So it's going to be it's out there. People are testing and looking at it. You know, there, it's going to be a combination of smartphone, smart device capture with camera capture with even droids. I oh. mean, you've got people using droids inside warehouses. So
1: for people like me who don't know exactly what a droid is, what is a droid? Well,
0: you're in, in a, 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 an aircraft, a remotely controlled aircraft, a drone, a, drone, a droid. Or, so. So a, a drone inside a warehouse, think ah, about warehouses. warehouse, okay. because they can go in and take images because these warehouses are sometimes 50, 60 feet high. Wow. Take images, use image recognition technology like tracks to actually give them a view of what their inventory is on the shelf. Right. right. So everyone in the past, they know from an ERP system, enterprise resource planning system like you know, Oracle and the big guys, SAP out there. They've got full control of their of kind of where it, it comes in their inventory on up to kind of the warehouse in the back of store, the point of sale. They've got visibility once they actually click on it and check out. The missing link is what's happening on my shelves, the shelf execution. That's
2: where Trax dominates the market. Wow, wow! And the good news for us is we don't care which robot it is, we don't care which exactly. which drone it is. It, it will Whoever all work wins, we're going to win in the background. That's right.
1: Great. That's right. Well, Thank you so much for sharing uh, the, that wonderful insight and those uh, sure. upcoming trends that are, you know, really going to change all of our lives and very much change the, the businesses of the CEOs who are watching the show. So let's turn a little bit to talking a little bit more about Trax and, yeah. and your company, which is what we do in the, in the second segment. Sure. Start off by telling us a little bit about the history of the company and how you got to be one of the fastest growing companies in Atlanta. So the history... Go, no here's the
0: company is we, you know, started. It's um, started off as a, a, I'll call it more of an Israeli technology base, as we talked about before, mm-hmm. headquartered over in Singapore. So it was two, you know, friends that started the company, and when they founded it, they looked and said, there, there is, there is this missing link. It's on the retail side, on the shelf side, and. Being Israeli in in their history, you know, being able to apply. Everyone in Israel goes through military training. Mm -hmm. People realize that or not. It's required. Two years, right? Two
2: two years for females, females, three years years for for, for for men.
0: men, Right. Mm -hmm. And while you're there, you get specialties. So a lot of people come out of that with very technical specialties. And some of them get grabbed and get thrown into the real high-end, really secret back-office stuff, which is what, you know, our founders were doing. So they applied, looked and said, gosh, all this image recognition technology that we apply from a military perspective, how can we apply that to this gap in retail for on the shelf? So that's when they, they, even though the company was headquartered in Israel, they went back to the roots of their army buddies and they formed a development group over in Tel Aviv to look at how we can leverage image recognition technology to augment um, this this kind of uh, gap that the retailers see, and that the CPG companies see. Start on that, and one of the first customers was Coke over in Russia. So we we do, I mean, the volume over there is, is you know, the number of, of you know, millions upon millions of images we process weekly. It's astounding. So that was one of the largest customers we did initially because they had an issue of how they could see what's happening out in the field. So from there, a company formed. Uh, we're venture capital back. In fact, we recently closed around the $40 million. Congratulations. So I appreciate that. Um so we No small feat? No, it's uh, it's a tremendous fee, particularly in the market right now. It's not a great market to raise money. Mm. Um so the the fact that we raise money and raise it at a very high valuation shows that we're in the right space at the right time with the right technology. Which
1: clearly. I mean, yeah.
0: Um so we kind of went uh, very, I'll say started high. started over in the Asia Pac area, which is where we were headquartered, then moved over so first couple of years, five year old company. So first couple of years focusing over in the Asia Pac area, then moved over to Europe, so said let's go over to Europe next and now coming into the Americas. So we actually came into the Americas, piggybacking some of our European customers that wanted to deploy us over in Latin America. So we went to Latin America first, uh-huh. now the U.S. So we've really only been the U.S. for four or five months. Wow. Yeah. Um, but we're expecting um, you know, growth that's going to be you know, significant, four or 500% uh, no, type of growth is, is, is what we're is. seeing
2: here in, it, the, in the U.S.
1: Yeah, it's explosive. I mean, it's, the technology that you're, that you're working with is absolutely, absolutely explosive.
2: Well, and, and you see it in the customer's eyes that we work with. But when we go in for that initial conversation and we explain what we do and how we do it and where we drive the efficiencies, the light bulb goes off in their head. And and it's a bit of a, okay, I I get it, now prove it to me type mentality, and and we understand that. And so, as we start pilots and and rollouts and things of that nature, you immediately see the gratification that a lot of these customers get. And it almost becomes, I hate to use the term no-brainer, but it really does become a no-brainer at at a very quick pace.
0: I've been involved in a lot of technology companies in the past, and in Terrell as well, and and we hired some very senior people. And and uniformly, what we, we said, we said, We've never seen people take up technology and want to deploy it and test it and roll it out as fast as this technology. Right. You know, it's been, you get in front of people and it's almost kind of like this thank you, I've been waiting for this technology, Steve. And yes, let's go move now. We want to move fast, mm-hmm. which is putting pressure on Terrell and his group, right, right. from a customer success perspective, to deploy we we like. Like all these, which is great. It's a good problem <laughs> to have. Um, but I've never seen a market move so fast in my, in my life, which is, which is fantastic news for us. Right.
1: So the thing that I love most about business and our CEOs will appreciate is the relationship, the relationship between you and building a great team, which is right. going to absolutely be necessary for you to realize the explosive growth, the growth that sure. you aspire to realize. So tell me a little bit about the two of you and Steve, when I said you should bring somebody on the show with you on the CEO exclusive, you said Terrell. Tell us a little bit about why you chose Terrell and how you're building a team and how you, you work together to make each other successful in business.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of, one of the key tenets in building businesses, from my perspective, is culture. Mm. So particularly early on. So when you start building your team early on, you know, I want to hire people that um, think alike, mesh alike, and, and actually like working together mm-hmm. and, and both having a good time and executing. So okay. You know, Tara and I, oddly enough, we lived very close to each other. We were talking about this before our daughters. We both have Ellie as daughters at about <laughs> the same age. We both played soccer growing up and in college and um, never met, knew of each other, but never met until recently through a, a, you know, a mutual acquaintance. Yeah. And he came highly recommended to me. And, um, you know, so we got together and, you know, within a half hour of interviewing him, he said, well, what's the next step? I said, I'm going to send you an offer letter. You're going to quit your job and come work for us. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and it was so about that quick. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, very strong cultural fit from that perspective that yeah. I saw. And, um, you know, we, we, we have a great time. We work really hard. I mean, the team here works really hard. And being a global company, I mean, we were on the phone last night at 930 having a conference call mm. because in, in, in uh, Singapore, it was 930 a.m. on Friday. Right. You know, so you're. You know, you've got different hours. You've got, you know, our last board meeting was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. that we had to participate in. So, and why um, you
1: look fresh. Yeah. It, wasn't <laughs> <last> night,
0: <though. laughs> it wasn't last night, though. <laughs> it wasn't last
1: night.
2: It wasn't yeah. last night. Yeah. So,
0: I should have seen it, you you know, it like that. Yeah. So, yeah. the culture fit, and then, and, then, and then knowing that, bringing on Terrell and saying that, okay, Terrell is my, my head of operations the lead for the Americas, which is a critical role. It's huge. Huge. He's going to build his team the way that I would build it because he's got the same approach to business and culture that I do. That's, that's, that's huge
1: to be able to find that fit. And Terrell, what's your philosophy as, as you, so four months in, in the U S mm-hmm. looking at this explosive growth trajectory, right. what's your philosophy on now finding the next set of people that have the, the same culture and the same cultural values that, that you and Steve have?
2: So it's a great question. And, and, and I have, I've always, use the guiding principle that, that no one person hires the right person. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'll take that a step further and, and say, you know, in my, my previous company, um, when I was hiring someone else to run the help desk, uh, a new help desk manager, it wasn't just the management team within the organization that, that interviewed that individual. I let the people that this individual would manage interview those people, because I believe in having a very 360 view in, in terms of, of who we're gonna bring on board. Culture is huge. Um, it, you know, In some of the positions that we hire, we're looking for people that are ready now type skill sets, meaning they've got experience working in the technology space, they've done software deployments or they're, they're software developers and things of that nature. Um, so you can, you can test the, the skill set piece of it, but cultural fit is a huge, is a huge piece for both of us. And so we, get, you know, we, we bring in and we have a collaborative interview process within our organization. You will meet everybody in our organization when you interview with TRAX. And so the way we find those people, sometimes it's former colleagues you've worked with in the past. Sometimes it's using recruiting firms. Sometimes it's just posting, going to, uh, you know, Georgia Tech or University of Georgia, some of these other universities and looking for some of those hungry, eager college graduates that are coming out that are looking for that first opportunity in business. Um, So we've got the the initial set here. And in fact, we have a meeting just after this show where we're going to sit down and we're going to look at, what are our projections for the rest of this year? What are we going to be doing in 2017? And we'll tie that to a number of resources that we need on the back end. Mm-hmm. And we'll start the recruitment process now, even if it's just making contacts with people through recruiters or through, through uh, as Steve and I met, through common colleagues, what have you. Um, you know, There, there is uh, a tremendous amount of, of talent within this Atlanta market. Uh, yeah. There really is. And it's so crazy. there's no shortage. And, and having moved a company from North Carolina to Atlanta was for that very purpose. Five years ago, I moved my previous uh, company here to Atlanta because I knew I could find the, the right talent to, to help that company grow. And that was wildly successful. And so we just look at taking that same thing and, and bringing it here to tracks and, and let's do it all over
1: again. How do you go about building a culture in a company that's so geographically dispersed?
0: That, that, is, that is hard. It starts by communication. So having good, strong communication and initially upfront having a lot of face time.
1: Mm.
0: So to give you an example, next week we're bringing in our sales leadership team from Latin America, bringing it to me with the sales leadership team in the US as well as the leadership team from the customer success organization. So it's gonna be you know, two days, you know, quick in, quick out, um, but having, having the group together and then sharing some fun times. So we're actually gonna do a go-kart race. <laughs> Okay, so, and we're hyper-competitive people, right? I would never have guessed. Oh, you know, so I will win, by the way, no, just so there's, I will win. There's, there's, yeah. So there, there's, we have a trophy for first and a trophy for last.
1: Yeah, so, That's a so, great culture. <laughs> if, if you don't mind beating your boss, that's a great culture. He
0: won't, though, but that's okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Well, as we get to the finish line, I'll ease up and let him go by. No. <laughs>
0: it, it, it's, it's great. So, in other words, it, so it's getting people, you get them very comfortable with each other. So, right. you know, the, the one thing is if you, you've got to smile and you've got to laugh. So laughter yeah. stimulates the brain. So from a culture perspective, we have fun. We pick on each other. We've got, you know, you know we do. We've got, we, if you don't like my humor, you probably won't, it won't be a good place for you to work at. Um, but we do. We, we, we have fun. We lighten it up because we want an environment that people want to come to work to and like to work. In. So our, our office environment, another example is we've got a very open, collaborative work environment right. in the office that is a place that people want to come mm. and want to spend time. Or even like I said before, bring your family in. If you you, know, you gotta pick up your kids from school, bring them in. We have a conference room, we've got choir rooms over there. Let them come in and study, it's okay. You know, it's not this kind of closed, I gotta, you know, it, it's a it's a, a more lightened environment right. for work, so creating that culture. And then the, the hard thing is, it's finding those people that are working by themselves in the field,
1: mm-hmm. right.
0: right? So we've got a small office up in New York, I got people out in the West Coast, I've got an office in Boca, de we've got an office down in Sao Paulo, we have an office in Mexico City. When you build those offices, again, making sure that the right people are in those offices, and then when they hire people and bring on, making sure that they fit in with the team and the culture as well. Very difficult to do in a a geographically distributed environment.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that's really important to me, and I think is of huge value to CEOs listening and watching the show, is to get beyond the platitudes, right? So strong communication, or an open collaborative work environment. So if you're a CEO is watching the show, and of course, we know that strong communication is really important, what does that actually look like? And how do you, because you can get people to meet each other, right? You can put people in a room for two days, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that strong communication is going to happen. That's right.
0: I I think transparency is key, right? So one of the things, you know, that this is really the first Israeli, even though it's Singapore-based Israeli company that I've worked for, I've worked with them before, but after I, I went over there on my first trip, I came back, I called my wife, I said, I'm Israeli. I said, what do you <laughs> mean? I was like, they operate and think the way that I do, which was incredibly refreshing, right? right. And, and I think with Terrell with and the other people as well. So with that is encouraging transparency, encouraging openness, encouraging people to challenge each other, including me. In fact, I would be highly upset if people didn't transparently... Challenge me on a daily basis. So the ability to to have that environment that in a meeting, it's okay to be a little bit argumentative. It's okay to be have less structure and focus on the end results versus having a yeah. very formalized and structuralized way, well, wait a minute, this is my boss. I can't say this to my boss. Right. It's almost a reverse That doesn't pyramid. exist where we are. No, no. <laughs> it really doesn't. No, it really no. doesn't. It's almost a reverse pyramid, right? right? It's almost like I work for I work for the people, right? And nice. So it's you know, if I'm, I can't be successful and the team can't be successful without everyone being successful. So I'm here to help everyone be successful. And Terrell's here to help all of his team members be successful. So I think that absolute transparent, open, collaborative environment where there's no fear that, you know what, if I say this to the CEO and I call BS on this thing, uh-huh, there's no fear that there's going to be a ramification from that.
2: Right. In fact, it'll be openly
0: received and acted
2: upon. I think that's... Uh- I'll go back to the first conversation that Steve and I had. It was a, a Saturday morning and he was driving. This is the
1: one where he said he's going to hire you after
2: half an hour? Uh, yep. He's driving to the University of Georgia to do some volunteer work. Uh, who knows what I'm doing? But, uh, you know, one of the first things Steve said to me is my, my responsibility to you is to allow you to do your job and get out of the way. I'm here if you need me, but you own this. It's your responsibility to make it successful. And I'm going to depend on you to go do that. Mm. And I'm not going to hover over you and, 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 and expect status reports. And so I do my job. And I, you know, I feel like the, the people that are part of the customer success organization, ultimately, I'm responsible for it. But it's not my team. It's our team. We're, we're a collaborative right. group. And, and that's why I ask everybody to take part in the interview process. Ultimately, it's my decision of who, of who gets hired. I okay. understand that. You know, I've had a, a, a group feedback that, that came back and said, we want to hire this individual right? For whatever reason. And, and, and maybe I had a different opinion and I made sure that I challenged them on every point that I thought was a, was, was a no. And we came to a conclusion of whether or not we we're going to hire that person. Uh, I, I think it goes similar to what some of the other people we have in the organization. Uh, I, I interview people within the sales organization because ultimately I have to work with those individuals. Uh, do I feel like they're going to be able to go out and represent tracks and sell the solutions that we need? Give us something that we can actually deploy. Uh and and help make the customer successful. And I was like, I think, so all of that is, it's not a, we are not a hierarchical company. Everybody understands their title. (laughs) Everybody understands their role, what they're responsible for. Mm. But the support person within the organization or one of our software engineers had better be prepared to give Steve their opinion on something because I can assure you he's going to ask for it. He's going to expect it. And and that's good. You want that in a leader.
1: Mm. How do you deal with conflict? So this is all great absolutely
2: yeah, head on
0: yeah rock paper scissors that's yeah. right that's yeah. right now yeah. head on yeah. and immediate hmm. right because it festers if you have conflict and, and there's change it'll fester so actually right. we you know we, we try to pull it out of each other right i mean there's that's there's, it. there's it, it is it is immediate where i mean right you know it, it, open door 100 percent door pop. we have no doors in our office physically physically there's no, no doors. doors no offices no doors we have private, we have conference rooms for people to go in for privacy, or we have, we have what we call quiet rooms to go in. But there's, a, there's absolutely no doors. Why remove all those barriers, right? So it's more collaboration. So if there is conflict, it's, it's let's go right at it and let's resolve it. You might not agree, right? So ultimately, I'm the person that gets to decide any disagreement if it bubbles up. But if there's an issue that's happening down in sales that, that affects Terrell's group I expect Carol to go fix that and there, right. resolve that. I don't need to get involved unless they can't resolve that themselves, right? But this constant up, down, over approach, it doesn't work. Doesn't work for <clears> us. Doesn't work at all.
2: No, we don't have time
0: for that. To no, absolutely not.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> we have to not. grow.
1: I, I know, you're too busy. We're you know, growing. We're growing. Using that. And, and, I think, and, and just to
2: add to that, you know, we talk about the different time zones and the different individuals. I, I have had the, the, the privilege of working with um, a previous Israeli company. They were certainly based here in the U.S., but the founders were Israeli, and so I had a little bit of experience in that in a previous life. When you when you sit in the office in Tel Aviv mm-hmm. and you meet the individual, individuals yeah. that are in that office, even um, tracks
1: for tracks for tracks. Yeah. yeah,
2: I like not being the smartest guy in the room, right? Yeah. And so you know, <laughs> I am amazed at the the level of confidence and just in terms of the the engineers and the developers and the marketing people and everybody else that they have in that organization. They all have that, you know. Uh, it's a cliche, but that entrepreneurial spirit. But they do, and they right? drive, and they, they drive. drive. And that's because, you know, our founders, uh, Joel and Drawer, they've they've instilled that in that organization. And so that has then translated to APAC and to Mia, and and now here to the US. Right, Trax is our company, right? And we collectively collectively look at it as our company. So it's our company to make it successful. And and I think the the way you do that is you hire people that are driven and want to make sure that you're successful. Mm-hmm. You don't you, you can't afford to have people that come in and to just the- uh, Hide work, and glide. Yeah. No hide and glide. Yeah, no ah. hide and glide, right? Work the eight to five and go home. That's not what we're about.
1: Last question about you and the, the building the organization. How are you going to do this and maintain your culture? when you are growing at 400, 500%. So it's one thing to be able to have everybody interview every candidate when you're 27 people. Sure. When you're 2,700 people, obviously that can't happen. That's right. So how are you gonna maintain the, the infrastructure so that the culture grows holographically?
0: First off, with, with the growth in revenue, we're not gonna see the same type of growth of employee base. So we're incredibly yeah. operationally efficient. I would imagine so
1: in your industry. Right, so, so yeah. very
0: operationally efficient in what we do. So. You know, in growing the company by, by you know, 4 or 5x, you, you're not going to see a 4 or 5x growth employees. Secondly, it's, again, it's going to be, you know, trust. Trust is a big factor. So the, the, when you hire people, you then empower them and trust them to go do the right thing. Right. So as we grow, that trust will get pushed down. You know, so right now I've taken that and I'll say I've pushed it down to my senior executive team that, right. that works directly for me. So that I've kind of empowered them and trusted them. That, in turn, is going to be pushed one level down again as we grow. That's right. Right? So terrells he's hired people that, that and people that are in place today. So we, we had some people that were already in place that joined our team that were already here or moved over here from Tel Aviv. Right. So having these, these key people in place that, again, you can trust to go build that company the same way as we build and understand what we're doing. Again, not an easy thing to do. More of an art than a
2: science, if you want to call it that. It really is. really is. But it starts with the two of us, right? Yeah. I mean, it has to be consistent from us. Our message has to be consistent to the various levels within the organization so that it does continue to kind of permeate throughout that organization. And we also have a, g- a good friend in Singapore who's our H- global HR director. And she's very good at, at helping us in terms of just making sure that we do that one last gut check with some <laughs> of the people that we're, that we're hiring. And she's a, she's a very open, honest a uh, person that gives us feedback, and so you know, every it's, it's person just in nice the company
0: to... is interviewed by our the global HR head of HR. Wow, every single person, and again, it's it's because they want they're looking at global consistency, culture oh. fit. So she's going to look at them from a whole different way mm-hmm. than we do, and making sure from her perspective we're doing the right thing globally, so that we don't grow our European operation with a different culture fit and people than right. we do the Americas. Right. So we have that layer of checks and balances from a top down as well.
1: So she's as much a, a chief culture officer as she yeah, is. She, as she she,
2: actually, she's our yeah, trusted advisor.
1: She's our yeah. trusted
0: advisor. We were on the phone with her last night. I mean, with, uh, with respect to some activities from HR that we looked at and I think at Tara I said, I don't know what to do here. I want to do the right thing. Yeah. Right. So let's get a knot on the phone. We'll figure out together, that between the three of us, how to do the right thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And we did. I mean, it was a 15, 20-minute call, transparent, got to the point. We all agreed. Action item. Off we go. Got it. Move okay. on to okay. the next. Move on to the next. That's
1: awesome. Right. So from this, uh, this segment, we got culture is key, build trust throughout the organization, right. and then make sure that everybody is transparent and communicates. Absolutely. That's right. Great. And that, those are the keys to, to you building your to taking over the world. Have fun and, have fun and laugh at my humor. Might be too, so. <laughs> yeah, some jokes are not
2: funny, but we laugh anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. some, some of them are really good, though. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry.
1: So tell us a little bit about what you're thinking about tracks moving forward. What are some of the new and exciting things that you, you plan for the company, let's say, in the next year to 18 months?
0: So it, it, it's incredibly difficult to look out that far in your company, but we do. So right now we're actually doing 18-month planning right mm-hmm. now and looking at what we're going to do. So. You know, from the perspective of where we're we're going and what we're doing, you know, our our core market is going after the CPG guys, you know, the Coca-Cola's of the the world, the anheuser Bushes of the world. But we see the retailers coming in fast and heavy. So we're working with three of the the top 10 largest retailers in the world right now Mm -hmm. and looking and they're looking very aggressively at us to do some very disruptive things within the stores. Unfortunately, we can't talk about that yet uh, publicly. But there's some really interesting things out there. That's right. right. But I think there's some really interesting things that you can use image recognition technology in to replace some things that are being done in stores today Mm -hmm. from a manual or or overhead perspective. Mm. Um, I think from a a tracks perspective, you you know, there's going to be, we're by far the leader in our space right now. And we are laser focused on what we do. So what we won't do is we won't expand horizontally. Uh, and and dilute ourselves. Mm. You know, we are laser focused on being the the best image recognition platform in the world. That focuses on consumer package goods, fast moving consumer package goods, and the retailers that they serve. Right. Uh, that market is wide open. You know, it's an untapped market. It's young. I'm a big Jeffrey Moore fan, so I'm sure the CEOs out there read right? Jeffrey Moore. And that is, uh, you know, riding the tornado, crossing the chasm. That whole series. Right. If not, go read it and go read it like now. So there's there's a concept in, in crossing the chasm where you technology falls into this chasm. So it's great technology. You have people in early adopters that look at it, but it doesn't quite make it to the mainstream. So right. it's kind of cool. might be too early. It might be too expensive. It might be too hard to, to operate or integrate. Then you jump over that chasm, and you when you go into the mainstream, you ride what's called the tornado. And the tornado is where there's just massive and rapid adoption of your technology, almost blind tech, uh, adoption mm-hmm. of the technology. That's where we're headed. You know, so image recognition technology is absolutely past the chasm. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely entering mainstream and about to enter mainstream with retailers, but entering mainstream uh, with respect to the consumer package. And it is a, it, there's an eminent tornado that is going to take us up for a wild ride. Uh, I've been through it before. It's awesome. You know, if the CEOs out there have never ridden a tornado before and you've got to do it, it's one of those things you've got to put on your bucket list before you <laughs> die. It's to ride, to ride the tornado of technology adoption. Um, we see that coming over the next 18 months. Mm. So that, what, what will that mean? That'll mean that, that it's hard to predict when it hits and the velocity that it'll hit. Mm. But you've got to make sure that you've got a strong foundation, just like building a foundation to withstand the wind forces of tornadoes. You've got to have a strong foundation. I think we've got that today. Not just terrible. We've got a very strong management team across the, you know, across the board here in the U.S. and globally. And then make sure that you can act quickly. So speed is paramount in this, in this market. So um, I would rather have people move quickly, make mistakes, and fix them than overthink. And get analysis, paralysis paralysis, right. and wait. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll move quickly and we'll fix our mistakes. And we'll actually encourage people. It's okay to make mistakes. Learn to fix it. Move on.
2: Fail early and move on. Fail
0: early and move on. So I think those are some things that we're looking at and coming from tracks from a technology perspective. You know, you know what we're what we're doing out there is revolutionary and disruptive
2: today. You're going to see more. You want to give them a little glimpse of what's happening with Google with Google. Yeah. So you know, I think that you've got. We may be disruptive today. We may be the, the the image recognition. Uh, solution for the space that we're in right now, but that doesn't mean that there aren't others out there trying to catch up to us, right? Uh-huh. And eventually, technology uh, evolves at a very rapid pace. So um, our CTO, while Israeli, actually lives in Silicon Valley. So he's here in the U.S. He's working very close with Google and other uh, very high-tech, well-known Ooh. companies out there. Um, Google. We're, we're involved in a project <laughs> called, called uh, uh, Project Tango, which will bring yet an, another even evolutionary type capabilities to what we do today. And it's not much that we can really go into detail about at, at this point, but, but just know that, that uh, we're not a company that sits on our hands and, and, and thinks that we've solved the world's problems. Mm-hmm. We're continually evolving our solution and, and moving it to the next phase. And so that, that's the other piece that I think for me is is very gratifying. So ha- having worked in this space for 16 years or so, um, I've worked for you know two different other companies, and, and certainly those were cutting edge at the time. But this is on a whole new level for me. And mm. so I really enjoy it. I love the entrepreneurial spirit that we've got within this company. Um, everybody's in charge of their own destination. And uh, we've been given, given our marching orders, so to speak, and we know where we're going. And uh, to, to Steve's point, we expect it to be a pretty wild ride. We expect rapid growth very quickly.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for a, an amazing show. If people listening and, and watching the show want to get in touch with you, how can they, how can they do that?
0: Sure. Absolutely. Um, You can obviously come see us at TracksRetail.com. Follow us on Twitter. uh, Find us out on Facebook. um, Like us on Facebook or uh, partner with us or whatever you do on LinkedIn. Uh, That would be fantastic. If you want to get a hold of me directly, um, email address is very easy. It's Steve at TracksRetail.com.
1: Thank you so much, everyone, for watching.
0: This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at AnonaEnterprises.com.